All right. Welcome back to Journalistic Integrity. My name is Robert Murphy, and I've got a little bit different of an episode coming up. Not a ton of NBA playoffs. I'm doing a big NBA playoff episode with Reed on Sunday. So this one's going to be a little light on the playoffs, but more so what I want to get to is sports media and the way that it's been covering basketball and this MLB foreign substance type stuff. So that's going to be the majority of the podcast, but I'm going to start with just a couple minutes on the NBA playoffs. So let's get right into it. So two nights ago, game one, Eastern Conference Finals, the Hawks beat the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks were actually, for some reason, an eight-point favorite, which made no sense at all. And I was trying to rack my brain injury. Well, is there something? Why were the Bucks an eight-point favorite? It didn't make any sense. And, I mean, Atlanta's had no problem throughout the playoffs, both rounds, beating teams on the road, hostile crowds. And so they do it again in game one. Two things I wanted to point out about this game and about this series that, if you're a Bucks fan, is not good news for you. Number one, I think the Bucks are a little bit tired. They're coming off a seven-game series, really tough overtime game seven against the Nets. And they're an older team. So they've got Drew Holiday, who's in his 30s. Is he slowing down a little bit? It's It was a more condensed season, more games. They've got Brooke Lopez as well, an older big guy, P.J. Tucker, in his last few productive years in the NBA. So they're filled with these older guys while the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young, uh, Herter, John Collins, all these younger players who they've got less mileage. And I think that really starts to matter when you talk about this condensed season and these playoff games being played in a more condensed manner as well. Second thing I wanted to mention about the Milwaukee Bucks, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago talking about their shooting and how they weren't shooting well from three. And you can, I mean, the rebuttal to this would be, well, they still are winning without shooting well. So is that almost a good sign? I don't think so because you can you can only go so far without shooting well from three and continue to win. And so here are a couple stats. Chris Middleton in the regular season, 41% three-point shooter, down to 34 for the playoffs. Giannis, 30%, down to 18%. Drew Holiday, 39% in the regular season, down to 27% from three. Also, P.J. Tucker, 39%. Really important because you want him out on defense and you also need a little bit of offense from him. Can he hit that corner three? 39% in the regular season, all the way down to 30% from three. And I think that's starting to catch up with them. You cannot, in the NBA, continue to win without hitting your threes at a decent clip. And we saw in game one against the Bucks, they didn't shoot it well from three, or excuse me, against the Hawks, they didn't shoot it well from three. And I think that's going to start catching up from them. And I don't there's no reason why they're going to turn it on. I don't see them all of a sudden in game two, three, four, in the third round of the playoffs start to shoot these threes better. So that's why part of the reason I picked the Hawks was because I, I trust the Atlanta Hawks shooting a lot more than the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, so let's move to the Western Conference Finals. And it was that classic teams down 2-0. They're going to play with more urgency, play a little bit harder, get the loose balls. And that's what happened in Game 3. The Suns had Chris Paul back, but he seemed a little rusty. Hadn't played in 10, 11 days, apparently. And so him and Devin Booker combined to shoot 10 of 40, 25% from the field. So it's going to be tough to win when you've got your two best guys shooting at that clip. Reggie Jackson, I keep waiting for him to slow down a little bit. He's not doing it. Paul George still getting buckets. 
And it's a fun team to watch. They're a lot more fun to watch without Kawhi Leonard. When Kawhi gets to the ball, it stops. It stops with him. He's not a great distributor. It's a little mechanical the way that he works. It's not smooth. And these Clippers, props to Ty Lue. He seems to figure out adjustments after two games. So they've gone down 2-0 in every single series so far. And obviously won game three in all three of those series. So so a really good series so far. I think I made this prediction last episode, but I've got the Clippers in seven games. And I mean, a lot of people have been taking these victory tours on Chris Paul and the Suns and telling them how great they are. Well, in round one, they played the Lakers, who would have won that series without Anthony Davis, their best player, getting injured. Who they play in round two? The Denver Nuggets, who are without their second best player, Jamal Murray. And guess what? Round three, they're playing the Clippers without their best player, Kawhi Leonard. So I, I don't quite understand all the praise for Chris Paul and how he's getting over the hump finally and how great he has been for the Suns. And, and just sticking on that Chris Paul thing, whenever anyone does something well on the Suns team, it always goes back to Chris Paul. If Ayton makes a really smart, heady move, it's always, well, Chris Paul probably taught him how to do that. And I'm a Chris Paul fan for the most part, he obviously he went to Wake Forest where I went, but I kind of lost Chris Paul when he went to the Clippers and he had that really talented team and they did absolutely nothing. That team left a really bad taste in my mouth. Doc Rivers, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, CP3, all those guys I was kind of out on after that five-year run. All right, let's get to the main topic of this podcast and this subject, it gets me riled up. So excuse me if I get a little emotional and so what's going on, if you haven't been paying attention, is it's come out that pitchers are using these really sticky substances. One of them is called spider tact, which is this industrial grade paste. They put it on their fingertips and it helps them get a better grip on the baseball, resulting in a higher spin rate. The ball is spinning a lot faster due to this sturdier, stronger grip on the baseball. And we've seen that it's resulted in a lower batting average. And we know that because when the major leagues Baseball started cracking down on it. Averages immediately went right back up, and it wasn't just a couple points. I think it was between you know, 10, 15, 20 points on a batting average. So my, my big issue with this is the main takeaway from, well, let's actually start here. So, so the way this is being implemented, a starting pitcher gets checked prior to the game to see if they have any sticky substances. Is it on the bill of their cap? under their belt, in their glove, anything like that. And I believe coaches have one or two challenges. So if they see a pitcher in the fourth inning and they think he's touching his belt or whatever, they can say, hey, umps, go check him out. This is one of my challenges. And the reaction to this have been players, Max Scherzer, a bunch of pitchers, when they get checked coming off the mound. And look, these checks are not like five minutes. It's, hey, let me check your hat. Let me check your glove. Let me check your belt. It takes like 10 seconds, and it's not slowing down the game because this isn't happening during an inning. This happens after the three outs, and they're walking off the field, and they throw a huge pity party, and they start crying, and it's just, it's really, I like it for the theatrics. I like it because you get clips out there for baseball, but my real problem with it is the way sports media has been reacting to it. So bunch of people on sports media are all siding with the pitchers and being like, oh, this is so terrible. Are we sure this is terrible? Are we sure checking pictures 
for sticky substances after it came out that they were cheating using these? Are we sure that that is such a bad thing that the MLB is doing? So what do you want the MLB to do once they learned that pitchers were using these substances to gain an unfair advantage? Do you want them to look the other way? And some people have come out and said, well, the MLB knew this all along and they didn't start implementing this until it got out into the public. Are we sure that's true? I don't think that's true. I think they might have known about sunscreen and the rosin bags mixed together, but those are two legal substances that you use. You use sunscreen. They have the rosin bags out there. What they didn't have was a spider tact. And what the MLB doesn't want is a two-to-one ball game. They want hits. They want action in the field. And using these substances has decreased it. So you think the MLB knew that these substances were being used, which decreases the fun of the game with less hits. You think they knew that and continued to ignore it? That makes no sense. So they found out about it and they're implementing these changes. And so people that are like, what is the MLB doing? This is so stupid. What do you want them to do? Do you want them to be like, okay, we'll keep allowing these pitchers to cheat the system and also it's making our product worse. So this makes no sense. If you have to inconvenience a pitcher for a couple seconds to make sure no one is cheating, that's okay. I promise you, that's okay. And then we've got journalists and sports media who are supposed to be the objective people, review the facts, and in types of events like this where you've got the MLB on one side and the players on another side, they're supposed to be in the middle. What's the objective truth? Instead, we've got sports media tweeting stuff like Max, in, in reference to Max Scherzer, and this is around an event where he was taking off his belt, Max, more like Magic Mike, hashtag fire man fraud, hashtag MLB sucks. And it's like, what, what does that even mean? What are we doing? So your opinion is, hey, we shouldn't have to check these players because it's going to inconvenience them. That makes no sense. And they all say the same exact thing. And this goes back to a bigger point where the people in sports media, they don't care what the dispute is. They already have it decided which side of it they're going to be on. They know if you side with the players, you're going to get the likes and the retweets and the players have the power. They're going to like you. They're going to give you an interview and all that stuff. Nobody gets any brownie points for siding with the MLB, but whatever happened to looking at individual situations and providing what you actually think is the right reason, despite which party is right. And that's why I'm here. And that's why I provide the journalistic integrity. The real, the answer to this is it's okay to inconvenience players for a couple seconds to ensure that one, pitchers aren't cheating. And two, MLB has the ability to put out the best product, giving hitters a chance. One of the hardest things to do in sports is hit a baseball. Let's make sure the hitters have a, do not have a disadvantage at hitting the baseball. And another tweet from another sports media person. So a guy named Sergio Romo was one of the first guys who like threw out his glove and was like basically about to strip. One sports media person tweeted, Sergio Romo is my spirit animal. So we're, we are now combining our spirit animals with our sports takes. That's where sports media is right now. The MLB could come out and say, hey, we want to lower ticket prices to make it easier for all types of people to come to our games. 
in the sports media, because it's coming from the MLB, would come out and say, eh, there, there's something fishy about this. And it just, it makes no sense. And it's so frustrating when you you go to the media to learn about sports. And this is part of the reason why I'm doing this thing, because everyone in sports media, for the most part, are absolute clowns. And they just have their allegiances to certain things, and they just stick with it without actually looking at what happened and providing an objective, reasonable take. So back to the spirit animal tweet. So we are fusing our spear. I would rather be back with the curmudgeon ink stained paper, old school reporter stuck up types, get out of my press box types, than spirit Sergio Romo is my spirit animal. Is your so a 38-year-old reliever is your spirit animal? Why not go with the classic uh what are those things called? A little Pomeranian dog. Like, ooh, look at me. I'm little and cute, but I've got a really big personality. What about that? Back in my day, we didn't confuse our takes with our spirit animals. If I came home one day and said, hey, if I came home from school and I was like, hey, I was a lion today. I was a leader. I, I mean, I was, I was kicking around the calculus book all over the place. Teacher had no idea what to do. I was a lion. I was powerful. And then I said, in addition... I like the Lions winning in this Thanksgiving game. I think they get over the hump. I would be kicked out of the house. In my household, we never, ever allowed takes to be penetrated and infused by our preference of spirit animals. There's no place in the game for that. Get spirit animals. Get those takes out of here. All right. That's the baseball take. and Everyone just loves... I mean... To sum it up, everyone loves crushing the MLB. It's going to do well on Twitter. It looks good. You're making fun of somebody. You get to tweet a funny video. Everyone likes to pile on. And I get the MLB has made a ton of mistakes as a league, not growing the game. They've got some stupid rules. But can we not just look at this? If we were to bring some random person up and say, hey, this is what we're doing. Someone was cheating. So now we're checking those group of people that were cheating. They'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. They wouldn't say, well, Sergio Romo is my spirit animal. This shouldn't happen. All right. So let's go to the NBA. And we've got sports media people complaining about the final four teams being smaller markets. We got the second team in Los Angeles, Milwaukee, Phoenix, and the Atlanta Hawks. And my response is, who cares if you actually like basketball and it's not like these teams have a bunch of scrubs on them. They've got superstars on them. They've got Giannis right? We've got Chris Paul. We've got Devin Booker. We've got Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. There's a lot of good players in this Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals. So the whole complaining about small markets, if you actually like basketball, and if you're a journalist and sports media, there's a ton of storylines in it too. Can Chris Paul get over the hump and make a finals? Can Giannis get over the hump and win a finals? Can Trey Young continue to carry the Hawks and this young group, can they continue to play? Well, there's so many things in the NBA. You don't have to rely. I mean, who who can't? When I'm watching a game, I'm not like, oh, well, this team, they play their home games at a really big city. So I'm definitely going to start paying attention to this team. Who cares? All, all, the, all that matter. All the only thing about big markets is where they play their home games. Does it really matter? If you really like basketball, no one actually cares if it's a big or small market. That's all for fringe fans of like, oh, it's, you know, Lakers, Celtics, maybe I'll tune in. But for people that actually like basketball, do you really care? 
If it's a big or small market, no, it's basketball. If you like basketball, you're going to watch anyway. Sticking on the NBA ratings thing, and I'm not going to, to do the whole NBA rating. Anyone that's really pro or anti-NBA ratings, 98% of the time, it's political. So, I mean, you can stay away from those because it's always got, there's always something behind it. But the NBA ratings, they have dropped. You're, you see now, and I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the past few days, NBC and Turner Sports have put out some stats. This year's playoff is, you know, 15, 10, 15, 20% above last year's playoffs. If you do some quick research, oh yeah, last year was at the bubble. Nobody was watching playoffs in the bubble. If you look back to the playoff series, the the playoffs the year before in 2019, it's a big drop-off, especially in the second round. It's a big drop-off. Less people are watching the NBA uh, this year than in 2019. And the question is, why? Do I think some people are tuned off by all the all the on-the-court stuff and people are, are tired of it? Probably a little bit. And I've actually had people write into the show saying, I like your show, but I don't watch the NBA anymore, so let me know when you're done talking about the NBA. Do I think it's a large amount of people? No. Is the NBA still going to sign a massive TV deal? Absolutely. But it is a factor of stuff that is decreasing the viewership in the NBA and here's what it is. The number one reason is there's so much stuff to watch now. So 20 years ago, it was you didn't have your Netflix. So when there's an NBA game on, you have options of watching videos on YouTube. YouTubers are really big. They get millions of views. You can watch YouTube. You can watch season, you can watch episode four of Mayor of Easttown. You can watch College World Series. You can watch other stuff on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, there's so many other options that it makes sense that the audience is being dispersed into other directions because it's not the only show in town. There's a lot of competition, not just in the sports world, but any type of viewing in media and streaming, they all compete with eyeballs. But the reason why the NBA is still going to get a massive uh, TV deal and why these ratings, it's a, it's a dip. It's definitely, the, the ratings have gone down. It's okay to say that because it's just a fact of what has happened. But is it going to slow down the league? Probably not. Because if you think about it, all of these stations, ESPN and Turner, the two stations that are doing the NBA playoffs, they all are in a race for content. You know what TNT probably doesn't want to do? Is show season 18, episode 12 of Supernatural or whatever that show they always have. They're probably like, all right, we've got enough catalog of those shows in our booking already. Can we get some live content? And these, they rate well. These blocks of two and a half, three hours, they rate well. They are down a little bit, but they're more than if they were to, you know, put in some rerun or throw in Shawshank Redemption again. So everyone still wants the NBA so they can have these pregame, postgame shows, all shows that despite being down a little bit, they still grade out a lot better than what the, than the, what the substitute for it would be. Secondly, regular season basketball just isn't that great of a product anymore. These games, so they play 82, 72 this season, but each game doesn't matter that much. And the stars are sitting out a lot of these games. That matters, especially with the younger generation. They're more attached to players than teams. And so I think that hurts as well. The fact that, hey, I root for this player. I'm not going to watch 
82 games of this team I love. I'm going to watch, you know, the 40 games of this player I really like. And if also an extension of that, if you're focused on a player rather than a team result, you're more inclined to just wait for the highlights to see how your player did. If you're rooting for a team, which is what people did years ago, you're going to be more inclined to watch a whole game to see if the team won rather than, hey, let me just see the LeBron alley-oop. Another thing, I think attention span is shorter. People want what happened, what were the main things that happened. And, and you know, NBA games in general, life is kind of too short to just sit down and watch a regular season NBA game, especially if a superstar isn't playing. Like who's sitting down on their couch at, you know, Friday at 8 p.m. and watching an NBA regular season game from 8 to 10.30, locked in on the whole thing. Nobody's really going to do that very often. You're going to wait and see some highlights, but at the same time, it's a regular season game, so nobody really cares that much unless it has playoff implications, which you don't get to in the NBA until the last couple weeks. So what the NBA needs to do, and I think some other leagues, including the MLB, for sure need to do, but the NBA needs to cut the regular season down to at most 72 games because they're throwing out so many games. Players are taking games off because the players are telling you these games aren't important because they're resting for them. So if the players are saying, yeah, this game isn't very important, I'm just going to rest, why should a fan think it's important and watch? So if you decrease the number of games, maybe to 65, 68, and yeah, you're gonna owners are going to lose money, you're not getting those home game, as many home games, all that stuff, but the product is going to be better. There's going to be more interest in each individual game, and I think that would help a lot, uh, not just in basketball and baseball as well. So that's that ends my, my sports media rant. There's, th- there's going to be a lot more of this because I, I, at this point, if you're on Twitter or if you just follow sports media, it is just kind of insane what, what is going on and how people are automatically wired to have certain takes. They don't even look into the situation. It's just this entity is doing this to this entity. I don't care what the facts are. I already know who I'm going to side with. And it's like, okay, well, why would anyone want to listen to you or follow you if they already know what your take's going to be before anything actually happens? And that's why I'm here, your fearless leader, leading you through this this sports media landscape. That's what we do at Journalistic Integrity. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be back Sunday morning with an NBA-filled podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and enjoy your weekend.